Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Amen. Wow, you are a good-looking bunch. Look at somebody next to you and say, you're so good-looking. <laughs> now, I know for some of you, you had to speak those things that are not as though they were, but that's okay. God is able. Amen. Man, this is an exciting day, isn't it? This, this is the day we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, he, man, he did it all for us, didn't he? Doesn't that amaze you? Do you, ever, do you ever take time, do you ever stop for a moment and just meditate, just ponder on, on the gift of God in your life? I mean, you know, I mean everything. I, and I'm not just talking about the fact that he saved us, and that is wonderful, don't misunderstand. But let me tell you something. The, the breath that you are breathing right now, he gave that to you. Yes. You know that? The, the sunrise you saw this morning, he, he gave that for you. That was you. He, he, he painted that for you. Can you say amen? You know what? Those grandchildren that you have, he gave them to you. Amen. Every time I look into my little boys' eyes, not, not the big boys, they, that, that's kind of gone on. I, I, when I look in the little boys' eyes, amen. Shay told us the other day that she was not feeling well, and, and uh, Oliver prayed for her. And uh, Oliver prayed for her, and then Shay said something like she was still not feeling good. Because, uh-uh, I prayed for you. You're healed. You've got, you got to love the faith of a child. It's like, nah-uh. Don't you be talking that way. I prayed for you and you're healed. It's done. It's over. I love the faith of a child. Amen. Man, that's great. I love my little boys. Amen. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Philippians chapter 3. We'll get to that here in just a moment. You know, as I was thinking about uh, what I was going to minister today, I, I, I was really pondering this idea of celebration. You know, and to be honest with you, part of what we did with the lighting, and I know some of you are probably, oh my God, here they go again, making another change. I like it, I like it too. Um, <laughs> but what we did is, look at, this is not, I know a lot of people think, well, we're just trying to keep up with the Joneses. No, 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 not. we're not. We're just trying to be a better version of ourselves. Okay, we're not keeping up with anybody. But what we wanted to be is, we wanted to create an atmosphere of celebration. Yeah. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Because it really is celebration. I, you know, I think, I think it would do us all really well if we just got a good dose of happiness. Can you say amen? I mean some happy on us. You know, I, I, I think, you know, I know, I don't know about you, but I, I'll just speak for me. I could use a real good dose of it. I need, I, every now and then, I just, I need to go dance in my underwear somewhere. You know what I'm saying? I just, I, I, I now, now, I know you got to poke out your mind's eye. I get it. That's okay. But, but I, I do. I, anyway, okay. So we're celebrating. We're, we're, that's not the sermon, Shannon. It's, it's not. It's not. We're talking about celebrating Jesus. Amen. We're not talking about being just weird. We're talking about cel celebrating Jesus. Now, listen, you know what? The resurrection, the, you know, it really is something we do celebrate, but we need to not just celebrate it on one day. You know, the resurrection, you know, is, was not something that happened long time ago, and it was a, an event 
that we all look back to. Let me tell you something. Resurrection life is here right now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, resurrection life didn't go away when Jesus ascended into heaven. Resurrection life was given to us. Can you say amen? And you know what Easter is? is Easter is God's invitation to you and I to come into a new and changed life. That's what Easter is all about. That's what it represents. Is it tells us that we have this new and changed life. It's a, it's a life of abundance. It's a, it's a life of liberty and security and restoration and faith and purpose and on and on. It's a life that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. God, help us this morning that if we do anything outside of the realm of the working of the Holy Spirit, can you say amen? amen. We should never attempt to do anything. Jesus, on the, uh, uh, telling, talking to the disciples, he says, I, I want you to tarry in Jerusalem. I want you to go wait until you are endued with power. He wanted them to go into all the world, but he said, before you go into all the world, before you go do what I said to do, you wait until you got some power. Can you say amen? God, help us that we do anything outside of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that empowers us. He, he's the one that equips us. And when he sends us out, it's, it's, it's life-changing. Can you say amen? amen? Now, the question that we have to ask ourselves this morning is this. As a follower of Jesus Christ, am I living the resurrection life? I want you to think about that. Am I living my life in such a way as that my life acknowledges not only the fact that Jesus is alive, but that he is, in fact, Lord over all? Am I living that kind of life? Or am I just going through the motions of living wrapped up in the culture around me? Am I living my life in light of the resurrection. And so in this message, what I want to do is I want to look at what it means for us to live our lives in light of Jesus' resurrection. So look over at Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 8, very familiar portion of scripture, Paul's writing. I'm reading from the New King James Version. He says, yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death if by any means I may obtain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained or already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to, appre- to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, Reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Wow. It's a familiar portion of scripture, but it's rich. It's loaded. It's it's pregnant with revelation. See, the most significant words that Jesus ever spoke, and everything that Jesus said was significant, 
But the one phrase that everything else hangs on is this. In John eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus speaking to Martha. She's upset. Jesus has delayed. Now her brother Lazarus is dead. And to calm her and to spark faith in her, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. You know the story. Lazarus has died. Jesus is delaying. Mary and Martha are upset. All is lost in their minds. It's too late. He's dead. He's gone. What's up, Jesus? What's going on? Why, why didn't you come sooner? And when Jesus arrives, they all but accuse him. If you had only been here sooner, Jesus, if you would have been on time, if you would have responded when I asked instead of making me wait, Jesus looks at them and he says, oh, Martha, you've forgotten something. You forgot who I am. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life. What he was saying is, he says, when I show up, I'm never late. Ever. It doesn't matter if the furnace has been heated seven times hotter and you're thrown in. He's still not late. He'll meet you in the flame. Can you say amen? Amen. It doesn't matter if death has overwhelmed you. He's still not late. He can raise the dead. It doesn't matter if the bill says past due. Jesus says, I will meet every need according to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Listen, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the standard of power in the New Testament. It is where the bar is set. What can there be after that? Think about it for a moment. It is the miracle of miracles. But that's not really what's exciting about that. What's exciting is what's said in Ephesians chapter 1. In verse 18, it says that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. Let me just pause for a moment. I'm going to give you a freebie. We need to pray that prayer every day. We need to have the eyes of our understanding enlightened. We need to know. We need to see clearer, can you say amen? Amen. That you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Listen to that. This exceeding great power is toward us. Now that word toward doesn't just simply mean that it's coming to us. It's coming to us, through us, and around us. Can you say amen? It's his exceeding great power in us who believe. And it was that exceeding great power mighty power that raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, church, the resurrection is what gives us life. It's what gives us new life. It's what sustains us, and it's what's at work inside us right now. Can you say amen? Now, here's the thought. We talked about this on Good Friday. The work of the cross expresses the love of God. 
When we look to the cross, we see the crucifixion. We see the abuse. We see the beating. We see the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus. And that represents or expresses to you and I the love of God. But it's the resurrection that demonstrates the power of God. God revealed, he demonstrated not only his love through his death, but then he demonstrates his power through his resurrection. No other religion in the world has a resurrection. It is the crowning miracle of God. And all is balanced on that one thing, the resurrection. See, the resurrection this morning isn't just a part of my theology. The resurrection is a person who lives in me. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And he lives in me. Resurrection lives in me and in you. Can you say amen? That's why Paul writes in our text in verse 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. So what does it mean for us to live our lives in the light of the resurrection? In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Resurrection life is new life. Everything about you the day you got saved became new. You are not a, a new amendment. You are not a correction. You are not improved. You are not an improved version of what you used to be. You are absolutely a brand new creation. You are completely different from the person that you once were before Christ. Everything has changed. You are a masterpiece. You are skillfully and artfully created in Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? amen? That's why this morning, listen to me, few things are more frustrating than the gradual erosion of our identity in Christ. See, the Western church has a real hard time. We, the problem is, is we tend to make God simply a part of our lives. But he is our life. God doesn't want to be a slice of the pie. God wants to be the whole pie. See, my job is a part of my life. My, 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 my going to the gym and working out every day is a part of my life or a non-existent part okay. of my life. Um, going to the movie is a part of my life. Going, going on a date with my wife is a part of my life. But Jesus is my life, Amen. and he made me new. Amen. I am brand new in him. Amen. That is a revelation that we need to walk in every day. See, hell has diluted our understanding of what it means to have new life. And so many just don't get it. They just don't get it, and the result is we end up living far below what we were created for. Living, light, living life in light of the resurrection means living in the fullness of all that God has created us to be. Yeah. 
Listen, the Bible says we are kings and priests before him. You are royalty. The Bible says this when Jesus' disciples said, come teach us to pray. He says, pray in this manner. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. What does that mean? Our Father has a kingdom. That means our Father is a king and therefore I am a prince. Come on now. That changes how I do life. It changes how I think. It puts a new set of lenses on. So when I look at life, I look at it a little bit differently. Can you say amen? I begin to live my life in a different way. Why? Because I'm brand new. I have a new identity. I'm not what I used to be. It's a whole new thing. Can you say amen? Amen. So I'm going to live my life in this new life. Resurrection life is living abundant life. In John chapter 10, verse 10, it says, The thief does not come to accept to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. Abundant life is a life filled with purpose. Abundant life is a life that is clear, live, that's living life with a clear knowledge of who we are in him. And living life with a clear revelation of who he is in us. The abundant life is walking daily, intimately in relationship with the Father. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Joined with Jesus in all he does. What does that mean? That means I walk in resurrection. I walk in the power of resurrection when I go buy laundry soap at Safeway. When I go get my brakes checked at Big O Tires, I'm walking in resurrection life. When I go to school, when I come to church, uh, when I go to the neighbor's house, when I'm cutting the grass or raking the rocks or whatever it I do, I do it in light of the resurrection because I have abundant life, because I am a child of God. I am a prince of the kingdom of heaven who is out cutting his grass. I'm a prince of the kingdom of heaven who is buying soap at Safeway. And that changes. I walk in with kingdom authority and power because the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. Amen. Amen. You say, how do you know when the anointing comes? Because when the anointing comes, I feel like I could take on the whole world. See, see, look at by nature, I'm not a fighter. I'm a lover. But when the Holy Spirit gets on me, I'll fight you. Come on. I'm ready to win. It's power in Jesus name. I will. (laughs) An abundant life is available to everyone that would come to him. But let me tell you something. If you're going to have abundant life, then you're going to have to let go of this life. See, the problem is, is I don't recommend the movie. So I'm just saying it's a movie. Okay. It's not, this is not a recommendation. It is a fact. It was a movie. A long time ago in the late 80s called Top Gun with Tom Cruise, our great brother. (laughs) Not a recommendation. But at the beginning of the movie, one of the pilots, he had to resign. And the reason he had to resign, he, he told his commanding officer, he says, what's wrong? He goes, I'm hanging on to this life. See, he could not be who he was called to be because he was hanging on. And church, I'm telling you that there are Christians today, they can't be who they're called to be in God because they're hanging on to this life. We got to let go and we got to embrace the new life. Can you say amen? Yeah. Yeah. You go, 
Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, I've let go. See, surrender. You gotta, you gotta, sometimes you got to throw your hands up and go, I'm, I give it all to you, God. It's all yours. I don't, yeah. care. I don't care about my reputation. I, I don't care what people think. I, I don't care. Amen. The only, there's only two individuals in all of creation that I have to, I, that I care about what they think. Number one is God, and number two is my wife. Period. Every, everyone else, does that mean I don't? No, I care about what you think. I, I want, I, I long for your approval. But see, your approval don't define me. Jesus' approval defines me. And because she is part of me, because we are one, she defines me. That's because God made it that way, not me. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Resurrection life is a life of liberty. The Bible says this in John 8, 36. Therefore, if the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. We have been set free. We are no longer under the power of sin, no longer subject to the law of sin and death. Listen, to the Bible says in Romans 6, 14, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but you are under grace. And then Romans 8, 1 and 2 says, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean? That means that I am free and I do not have to sin. What that means is if I end up sinning, it's because I chose to live by my flesh rather than my spirit. And I have been given the power and the freedom to live life in light of God and the resurrection. And I can be without sin. Can you say amen? I am not a sinner saved by grace. I'm a saint of God who gets to make a choice. Can you say amen? Wow, I'm a little more fired up this time. That coffee's kicking in. <laughs> you say, well, why does that matter? See, look, at if all I ever pull in my identity is that I'm a sinner, then guess what? That's all I'll do. I'll live my identity. You live your identity. You say, well, I don't even know my identity. Look at how you're living. It will tell you who you are. Or who you believe you are. No, that's a different sermon. Resurrection life is a life of security. Romans chapter 8, verse 35, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine, nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels, principalities, powers, things present or things to come, height or depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I am safe. Amen. That is a good word. You can't pull me out of God's hands. There is no devil in hell that's even close to getting the power to pull me out of his hands. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Resurrection life is a life of security. He protects me. He keeps me safe. 
Resurrection life is a life of faith. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that of him that rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Are you hearing that? You know what faith is? Faith is if it takes risks. Faith takes risks. It, it gets out of the boat, church. Some of us, we got to get out of the boat. We got to get out. I love Peter. Let me, let me tell you something about Peter. I love him. I have a hard time sometimes. I identify with John, not just in name, but I identify more with him than Peter. But I love Peter because <clears throat> they're on the disciples. They're, they're in a bad situation. The storm is raging. Jesus comes walking on the water and they think he's a ghost. But Peter cries out and Jesus says, be calm. It's me. And Peter says, if it's really you, bid me. Because Peter knew. The safest place in all the world was next to Jesus. Amen. He says, come on, get out of the boat. And you got to love Peter. He walked on the water, whether it was one or two steps, he walked one or two steps, right. mourn y'all on the water. Yeah, I know he got his eyes on that, all that. But you know what? Jesus, the man full of compassion, reaches down, saves him, and takes him to the other side in a moment's notice. Right. you got to love that. He got out of the boat. Let me tell you something. The thing that you want, your miracle, it's not in the boat. It's out in the storm. you got to get out of your boat to get your miracle. Because if you hang around in the boat, you'll just keep getting what you got. And that's just a face full of water. <laughs> now, if Jesus is in your boat, calm down. Because I don't care if the water's coming in. If he's asleep, look at If Jesus is asleep in the boat... Don't complain. Go lay down next to him. Right He's got this. Right <laughs> Got to get out of the boat. <laughs> uh, none of this is in the notes, man. I'm, I don't even know why I'm using them anymore. This so often. Resurrection life is a life of power. In 1 Corinthians 4, 20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Talk is cheap, man. That's what God's saying. you got to love what God says. Talk's cheap. I'm not. I back up what I say. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, he says, For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and in much assurance, as you know what kind of men we were among you for your sakes. In other words, Paul's writing. He goes, you knew. You guys knew. We couldn't get none of this done. You knew it was the power of God because you knew who we were. And that's what I want. See, I want to get I want to grow less and less and him grow more and more. Can you say amen? And then Romans 1:16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It is power. Oh, man, church, I'm telling you, resurrection life, it's a life of power. See, we ought to be thermostats, not thermometers. Thermometers react to the world around them. Thermostats change the world around them. That's who we are. And finally, in closing, resurrection life is a life of purpose. Jason can come if he wants in Psalms, I love this verse. I, I want you to listen to this verse of Scripture. Psalms 139. God, has, God actually spoke this to me. He, 
when I was in a very difficult place, really struggling with who, who I am, he spoke this to me. Starting in verse 13, it says, You formed me in my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows, ever, that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret <clears throat> and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. See, resurrection life is a life of purpose. And there's a, there's a phrase in this scripture that has been translated in, in an, another version of the Bible. He says, what skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. The way the author <clears throat> translated it, he said, in the underground workshop of our heavenly father, he put me together. Wow. In the secret underground workshop, God put me together. And I remember in that day of struggle, just praying this and come across this and just begin to meditate on it. And I begin to see myself and I could, I could see this picture. I don't, I'm not claiming it was a vision or nothing. It was probably more my imagination, but I believe that God used my imagination. I could see this old man had a long beard and he's sitting at a workbench with precision tools. And he's sitting there and he is diligently, carefully using these very precision tools and he's working on something. And you can tell it's, he's intent and it's very careful, very precise. He's going to get it just right according to plan, according to design. And in my, in my imagination, I walked up to that bench and I looked over his shoulder and it was me. And he was working on me. And he was building me. And he said, John, he said, I built you. I made you just the way you are. I did that. I formed you. And I formed you on purpose for a purpose. I haven't always liked what his purposes were. I'll be honest. Some of them have been rel relatively difficult. But it is the place where life comes. Because outside of his purpose, I guarantee you life is really difficult. And it is unsatisfying, and it is lackluster, and it is dangerous. And you become a victim. But inside his will, inside his purpose, there is fulfillment. There is safety. Not every day goes by. It's not all peaches and cream. Sometimes you have to fight. Sometimes you have to stand up and be counted in his will. And sometimes you have to make some changes and sometimes you have to ask some difficult questions and sometimes God says, enough of that. And you have to be done with it. But in that, he is a loving, he is a father that loves. He loves his children. And so today you say, well, how can I live in light of the resurrection? Live in new life. Live in abundance. Live in liberty. Live in security. Live in faith.
and power and purpose. You say, well, that's a big, that's a tall order. Yes, it is. It could be a, could be a seven-week series of sermons. But here's the point. When you go home today, go home and meditate on this. Reflect. See, there's, some, there's a power about meditation. If you look up in Joshua chapter 1, the Bible tells Joshua, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, Joshua, you're going to lead him into the promise. See, Moses' day was over. He accomplished his purpose. Now it was Joshua's day. And God says to Joshua, be strong and of good courage. But he really never tells him how, except he says, if you will meditate on this law day and night, you shall have good success. See, when we meditate on the word, when we spend that time, and that word meditate, it means to, to muse. It actually means to mutter. It means to talk out loud. Yeah. It's speak the word. You gotta sp- Sometimes the most important person you speak the word to is yourself. You speak the word and you mutter it and you go, you know what, God? You made me in the underground secret workshop. You did that. You made me free. You gave me new life. You gave me power. And you rock back forth. Actually, the word meditation, it, it takes on an, uh, you know, when they, the picture is when they're at the wailing wall. And you know how the Jewish guys, they'll, they'll pray like this and they rock back and forth. This is a picture of meditation you're speaking out loud and there's something about that rhythm and I'm not, look at, don't, don't make it weird, but there's something about all of that that just puts us in, it, it, it moves us it's, it's kind of like rocking a baby okay, it's no more weird than rocking a baby, it calms our nerves I guess but it does something for us it puts us in connection with the Father, because it's his word and his word is Jesus, amen and so that's how you live that life. The, the, I'm going to ask the ushers if they would begin to pass out. We're going to take communion. If they would begin to pass out communion. As you know, in our communion, we have the cups. We have two cups. One has juice in it. One has the, the bread in it. And they're stacked together. So just take a cup. When you get it, hold that until everyone has been served. And while they're doing that, I know this is a little bit of a distraction. But would you, I, I want to ask a question. If you're in this place today and you say, you know what, Pastor, I, I, I've listened to what you've said and I love what you have to say, but I don't know that I can say that I have resurrection life because I don't know if I've ever given my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Would you lift it up real quick just all over this place? Say, man, I need Jesus. Maybe at one time you walked with him. Maybe at one time you talked with him, but today you find yourself disjointed. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Is there others today? Amen. I see that hand. Amen. You can put it down. Someone else. You want salvation. You need Jesus in your life. Would you lift your hand? Lift it up quickly. Amen. I see that hand. Amen. Amen. Are there others? Would you pray this prayer with me? For those of you that raised your hand, just bow your head just for a moment. Say, Lord Jesus. Let's all pray it. Lord Jesus, I ask you, come into my life and to forgive me of my sin be my Lord and my Savior I give you my life in Jesus name Amen you know if you prayed that prayer for the first time or maybe this is your 101st time it's the greatest thing you've ever done and now you have an opportunity to take communion 
And the Bible says this, Paul is speaking and he's sharing a revelation that God gave him of the Last Supper. And it says this in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, For I received from the Lord that which also I have delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same manner, he took also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. You know, we talked about it on Good Friday, how wonderful Jesus' death for us is, the benefit and what he accomplished on the cross. And Jesus, at the Last Supper, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that was broken for you. And if you'd go back into Isaiah chapter 53, verses 3 through 5, you'll find a prophecy about Jesus and what took place and how he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed and and that that word healed it's the the whole context of that's not just talking about physical healing although physical healing is a large portion of it it's also talking about emotional mental relational financial social um, all across the board anything in our life that's broken the broken body of Christ repairs now that's what Jesus was saying. He says, I want you to take this. It's funny that in the prayer that Jesus uh, teaches his disciple, the manner, he says, give us uh, this day our daily bread. See, th this healing, this thing that we call healing, this repairing of our lives is a daily thing. It's something that Jesus provided for daily on the cross. That daily we could walk, not just in divine healing or divine health, but divine life. I want to give you life. See, life in that scripture where he says, I want to give it to you abundant, abundant life. That's the, the, the word zoe, Z-O-E. It literally means the literal translation is life as God has it. And so I'm going to tell you, nothing's broken in heaven. There is no lack in heaven. There is no sickness. There is no heavenly flu. There's nothing like that in heaven. And so the life that God wants to give you is life that is full, rich, and healthy and unbroken. And that comes through the payment. Listen to me. It's a payment. Jesus made a payment. He didn't just make a one-time payment. He paid the bill, the whole thing, through his broken body. He paid the price so that you could be whole. You say, well, you don't understand what's broken in my life. I don't have to. He does. And it doesn't matter how broken it is. The Bible says this in Isaiah 61. He says, he'll give you beauty for ashes. What can be more wasted than something that's completely burned up and turned to ash? He says, I will take your ashes and I will give you beauty in return. So it doesn't matter how broken it is. The broken body of Christ heals. Can you say amen? So the Bible says that Jesus took the bread and he blessed it. So let's, let's take a moment and let's bless this and thank God for it. Father, we thank you for this broken body. We thank you, Jesus, that your body was broken for us, that we could walk in health and wholeness and all the areas of our life that are broken could be restored to health. 
And Father, we give you glory for it right now. We thank you for it. We thank you. And Lord, we bless this. And I pray, Lord, that every person that takes this today in faith will receive the miracle that they're believing you for. And Father, we give you the glory for it. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Take eat. The Bible says in the same manner he took the cup. And he said something very important that I think we need to catch. He says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. In other words, what he was saying is he says the, the blood is the signing of the covenant. It's the cutting of the covenant. It's not a contract. We all know how contracts work. We know a contract says that if you do your part, I'm required to do mine. And if you don't do your part, I'm not required to do anything. But a covenant's different. A covenant says, I will do my part whether you do yours or not. God says, I will be a God to you. I'll be your savior. I'll, I'll be your healer. I'll be everything you need me to be regardless because I'm cutting a covenant. And he says, and I'm shedding my blood. I'm pouring out all of my blood so that it is ratified, that that covenant is ratified in my blood, that it is signed, sealed, and delivered to you, that it's yours. And let me tell you something. In the blood, there is victory. The Bible says they overcame the evil one by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. We are given the right and the authority to plead, to argue the blood, to extend the blood, to say, you know what? I plead the blood of Jesus. And you know what? The blood knows no distance. It doesn't matter if you're pleading the blood for someone or something on the other side of the earth. Jesus's blood is effectual and it will travel and it will meet the need. And so today we take this in remembrance of him. We, we take this and we say, you know what? Thank you, Lord, because we understand one drop of the blood of Jesus is the most powerful substance in all of creation. There's nothing greater. And so we receive it today. And so let's take this cup and let's pray and let's believe God for that power, the blood of Jesus to be poured out upon you and all you have to do with that your life in its totality would be submerged and immersed in the blood of Jesus. Father, thank you for the blood. Jesus, thank you for shedding your blood. Thank you for allowing yourself to be so horribly beaten and wounded that your blood would pour out to its last drop. We appreciate you and we thank you, Jesus. So we receive this today, Jesus, in faith, knowing that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for any need. And we plead the blood of Jesus over every need, every body, every person, every family, every home, every job, everything, God, we plead the blood. And we declare right now in Jesus' name that needs are met, bodies are healed, minds are delivered, children are saved, wayward children are coming home, Jesus. We plead the blood over wayward children right now. And Father, we give you glory where there is no hope, your blood gives us hope and we thank you for it in Jesus name so take and drink today oh thank you Jesus he is so good to us amen I know today that many of you will go and you will be with family and friends and you will share dinner or lunch or whatever your tradition is my request is for you that as you go today 
in your daily life, that you would invite Jesus on this resurrection day to be a part of all your activity. That, you know, we talked about our theme this year is doing life together. And certainly we want to do life together, but let's do life with him. Amen. And today as you go, we want you to do life with Jesus. Can you say amen to that? Praise God. I love this church. I love you. You know, I was thinking the other day, I was standing in the shower, and I've been on staff in this church 28 years. And there's blood, sweat, and tears. That was just building the building, let alone everything else. But I love this church, and I love what God's doing in this place. So I want you to go with victory today, knowing that Jesus loves you, and I love you. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.